0: What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future If it's happening in the challenge universe. Then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Ball. Thank you so very, very much for joining me for this almost holiday edition of The Challenge Historian, where we are here to go far, far, far outside of the MTV universe, far away across the Challenge universe, all the way over to good old Australia by way of Argentina to talk about for one last time, at least one last time as the central focus of a podcast episode, the Challenge Australia. Full season recap and rewards coming at you here on this podcast. That is the goal, a season that, albeit, yes, canceled in Australia, we'll talk about that in a moment, still A very good season and one I enjoyed a lot. I hope, I anticipate if you're listening to this particular podcast at this point of listening to all the recaps and watching the whole season, probably a season you enjoyed as well. If there is anyone by chance listening to this, just start clicking play because you know you're a fan, you listen to every episode. That's really cool. Thanks for that. But also... You should watch the season before you listen to any of these because it's a really good season. I really enjoyed it so much so that while the original plan was it was just going to be, you know, cover the finale and that's it. Not really do the full season recap. We had to. It was too good. Everyone in the cast especially deserves much more attention than we had already given them. So here we are. Full season Recap and awards coming at you. Before we begin, the only programming note is we are headed into the holiday weekend, and then the following weekend will be a double holiday for your host here. Not only will it be New Year's, but also uh, one thing you should know about me, big sports guy, and in particular, one team that I care about more than anything else in the world of sports or pop culture, and that is Michigan football. So a big Double weekend coming for me with them playing in the playoffs on uh, New Year's night. So hopefully it goes much better than last year. Fingers crossed. But anyway, so back-to-back holiday weekends for all kinds of different reasons. So for the next two weeks, the only guaranteed podcast you're going to be hearing are the Ride or Dies Recaps. I do not believe the show is taking any weeks off, so obviously we will not take any weeks off of covering it, but it may just be Wednesday nights for the next two weeks. We'll see if something else slides in there. Maybe a little little late Christmas present. Who knows? But for sure, the only thing that can be counted on is the Ride or Dies Recaps. Recaps the next couple of weeks. So there is that. Now, as for today, tonight, whenever you may be listening to this Challenge Australia recap, we are looking at it like this. We're going to talk first and foremost about did it work and was it good? Those are the two biggest questions to ask with a brand new season in a brand new country with a brand new cast brand new setup in this whole global tournament thing they've created and so we're going to ask did it work was it good then we're going to hand out all of the usual awards best quote Dan Renzi award moment of the season daily challenge elimination an episode of the season and then of course a big long MVP breakdown give all of the stars of this season their due talk about them all in award the number one MVP of the season and then the final thing we will do after that while the mvp and all the other awards will give us a chance to talk about most of the cast members that we loved we will finish everything up with a classic do i want to see them again rundown of every single cast member do i want to see them again on a future season of challenge australia challenge flagship in the states anywhere in the challenge universe do i want to see him again so we'll play that game at the very end. That is the schedule for this podcast. Last thing before we dive in is just a quick thanks to you and every person out there listening to this podcast all year long, all year and a half year long. Now we're coming to the end of our second, not quite our second full year, but you know, we started in the early parts of, you know, two years ago. So it almost feels like a two year Uh, and we'll get the real two year anniversary, but you know what I mean? It's the second time we're celebrating new years, going into a new year's holiday season with this podcast and it's grown and grown all season and year long. And I appreciate every single one of you. I love every single one of you. I can't believe that anyone listens to this, let alone all of the ones of you that do. So thank you so much for that. And as always, while most of you have hit that follow subscribe button, if you haven't That helps me out a lot. And more importantly, if you want to talk challenge, I love talking challenge. That's obvious. I think that's obvious to you if you listen to this podcast. So, Instagram at Challenge Historian. Let me know anything you want to talk challenge about. If you ever have anything that comes up, you got a fiery opinion about the latest episode of Ride or Dies, and you don't have that challenge friend to talk about it with. Hit me up. Send me the DMs. I'll talk about Challenge all day long, any season, any episode, any cast member, anything Challenge-related. So thank you all for being out there. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful, happy, safe, and warm—I'm in Chicago right now. It is not warm, I hope— I, I hope plenty of you listening live in all the wonderful states that are frigid right now, but also I hope that all of you have traveled away from all of the northern half of the country states and even some southern half of the country states that are just absolutely mind-blowingly low temperatures right now. So stay safe, stay warm, hope you get to you know have time with loved ones, everything like that. Thanks for being here. Let's dive in. Challenge Australia season recap. Here we go. First and foremost, we've got the two big questions to ask. Now, the Challenge Australia, it is a part, as we all know, as we've known for a long time now, it is a part of this global tournament that has taken place. They decided way back at the beginning of 2022, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do a new version of the Challenge with only folks from the CBS world, no one from the flagship. We're going to call it Challenge USA, but not only that, We're going to bring folks from Argentina, folks from the UK, folks from Australia. We're going to do four versions of the show in four different countries, but we're going to film them all in one place in Argentina, basically at the same time or right back to back to back. Plus, we're going to throw a flagship season in there, five seasons in the same location, basically with the same sets, games, everything like that. We're going to take the winners from those five seasons, plus some others, we're going to throw them in a thing that they at first called War of the Worlds until they realized, oh, wait, we literally used that name before. I forgot the flagship even existed. Like, how did they? Anyways, now they're calling it the Global Championships, Global Tournament, something of that nature. I believe in the promo we get at the end of Australia, it actually says on the field or whatever, Global Championship. So it's this whole big thing they've concocted. And did it work? So far, both did this season of it work, the Challenge Australia, and how does that you know play into the Global Tournament? So let's start with the fact that The show was good, okay? We're going to talk about the the full question of if it was good in a moment once we answer this first question, but we have to give a little bit of a spoiler for the second question to help answer the first one, which is, yes, the show was good, but historic ratings declined week to week. Got this show canceled in Australia. It went from, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but when it premiered in Australia, and for my Australia fans who I do know, there's a few of you out there listening from over in Australia. So thank you for that. That is wonderful and amazing. I Thank you for being here. Um, But, uh, you know, you were the only ones that stuck around and watched this show over there in Australia because it went from something like 250,000 or something like that viewers the very first night to by the sixth episode, sixth or seventh episode, it was down to like 80,000 viewers or something crazy like that. So just precipitous drop to the point that they then I believe it was at the episode after episode six, which they were releasing them two at a time. So three weeks into this experiment. It got axed, and it went from the actual like cable channel there to the streamer only version of the cable channel there. And while for us here in the states that might be like, oh, it went from CBS to just Paramount Plus, like that's not so bad. Like streaming's taking over. I don't think, although anyone in Australia listening, you can DM me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is not quite the same thing over there. Like it got dumped to VOD is basically the analogy. If I could go like 10, 15 years back in time, the C episodes seven through 10 got dumped to video on demand over in Australia. Like we're not putting that on live TV anymore. Literally no one is watching it. And by, if we give it four more episodes, literally zero people will watch it at the steep drop off it was going. So that's not good. Um, but you know, uh, we covered it all season long and for a reason because it was still a good show. More on that later. It was good for us U.S. fans. The problem was it seems like the little bit I know about the reality fan base in Australia and the little bits more that I have picked up from hearing others that actually know that fan base or are a part of that fan base talk on social media is they were looking for a little more drama and a little less sport. And they got served some nice, hot, fresh, sport-centric U.S. challenge, which is a thing that even us in the States have really riled against in the recent seasons of the show and have not really loved the, you know, we like the original sportification of the show, but not the most recent. Now it's a professional sportification of the show. And over there in Australia, it seems like they weren't having any of that. And also, the fans they were bringing in in Australia, based on the shows they were pulling these cast members from, were not prepared to watch this heavy competition show. Look at where the players came from for this season. It's, like, not exclusively Bachelor by any mean, but it's, like, almost half Bachelor, if not more. Let me quickly read through all the shows that everyone came from here. So, Ninja Warrior. Bachelorette, Master Chef, Bachelorette, Love Island, Big Brother, Married at First Sight, Australian Survivor. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Australia's got talents, professional boxer, actress, and influencer, Love Island, Bachelor, Married at First Sight, Boxer, Olympian, Bachelor, 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 Survivor, Bachelor. Okay. So there's a couple survivors, there's one big brother, there's a couple professional athletes and an Olympian. But then there's like seven or eight bachelor folks, there's two or three Love Island folks, there's a cup, you know, a master chef, but I'm just a celebrity couple of folks married at first sight, has two different people on here. But man, married at first sight, absolutely cooking over there in Australia. Ryan and Sorrell, both from Married at First Sight. Unfortunately, it looks like they're on different seasons. Man, that would have been Ryan and Sorrell getting married at first sight. Sign me up. Send them back on whatever season of Married at First Sight Australia they're on and just put Ryan and Sorrell. That's the only thing you need for the whole season. I'm watching. I know you are too. Anyways, so back to it here. So they're, you're pulling all these people from all of these shows that aren't the sports side, that are mostly the dating shows. But 60 70% of your people are coming from dating specific shows. That's what the fans over there are used to. They're used to the drama, not the sport. And then we serve them, although a show for us drama starved us fans were like dude this show goes hard like let's go these women are eating this up like come on we're loving it we're you know digging everything australian fans seem to be like this is this is pretty pretty low grade stuff for us this is there's a little too much sport here and there's like this if you think this is drama you have another thing coming and we in the u.s are like yeah we're that starved we're that hungry this is plenty enough for us so that's kind of where it fell i think u.s fans probably feel much more positive about it than australia fans being introduced to it for the first time then let's get to the fact that it ties into this global tournament so well the the show does work but it obviously didn't work in australia which i don't know if they're gonna try it again then or if they do how they're gonna go about it streamer only what i don't exactly know but we'll talk about why it was good here again in a moment when we answer that question the other things about does it work though is is this is not just one season, a one-off thing that they can just scrap right away because it ties into this global tournament, which I don't think the global tournament works. And I'm saying that before we've seen even a trailer, even an official cast. I mean, we've we've seen the official cast, but the true official official cast for the global tournament, I don't think it works. I'd rather that these other shows just be in their own silos of the universe and if people are awesome and they want to cross over to the US version, fantastic. If four years down the line, after four plus seasons of, you know, Challenge UK, Challenge Australia, Challenge Argentina, or whatever other countries they want to do, then they put together a like global themed, like, let's bring a few of the all stars of those seasons over to a US one, fine, great. But it doesn't feel like it's working at all right now to. S- Go into this being we're going to do these other countries, these other silos, but with the explicit purpose of tying them all together immediately. And one, the cash prize doesn't seem $200,000. Come on. 200 G's. I mean, they already shortchanged the Challenge USA with only 500,000 instead of a million. They already lied to the Challenge USA folks and told them it'd be 500,000 for one single winner when it was not. And then it seems like I've been picking up in the last few episodes of Challenge Australia. There also was a moment where a couple people's faces told me that they too thought that it was too, if they won the show. $200,000 for winning and even if there's multiple winners and they didn't totally realize the whole splitting the money sort of situation that was going to come about and that they weren't actually going to get nearly really all that much money. They, you know, winning a hundred grand in the end, like that's great. I would take a hundred grand right now today for sure. I would go on the show for free and win and not need any money, but that's because I'm a super fan that does a podcast about the show. Okay. So not enough money. They kind of ruined that. And you know, the way they've done Australian survivor like it's just its own thing they just have survivor in Australia with a different host and it's their own show based on and created because the show is so popular here in the states but like they just do their own thing over there and it really really works and fans around the world watch that and they watch theirs I feel like that's what they could have done they could have done the challenge Australia it could have been just for them. It could have been more heavy on the drama, less on the sport, its own thing, and its own world, and, yeah, five seasons into it, if someone is just a standout, amazing all-star, maybe a Troy like goes on. And he's like, I won three of the first four seasons to challenge Australia because no one around here really does the sport part of it. He could then maybe come over and do one, or they could later down the road more organically put together a global tournament or anything, but going into it with his attention, I don't think helped it, especially because it led to that sportification of this version of the show that wasn't what the audience in Australia wanted. So that's that. The final thing on it is it's the fact that it's the same house and games and everything that... And, The only thing different is the people, and that ended up not working out for me long term. It worked for me at first. It was a complete trip at first. I liked elements of it for sure. I was having a great time with it for a few episodes, and even parts of all parts of this season, elements of it, I had a good time with. But three seasons now that we've seen in the same place made otherwise what would be if we only ever saw them once. Almost all the dailies we've seen across these three seasons, like they're pretty good dailies. They're pretty good and well-thought-out eliminations. But then when we see them two or even three times, it becomes a little bit more stale. And it kind of pissed me off also that we learned slowly but surely that some seasons, some shows, some casts got way better conditions than other ones. Like what the Challenge USA people go went through. I now, you know, in the moment I was, you know, conflicted about it, it was like, yes, I get the Wes Bergman argument side of it of like, this isn't supposed to be easy, it's supposed to be hard, it's supposed to suck, that's also a part of it, we ain't Survivor on a freaking island, but we're, you know, the, the house isn't nice, the food's not nice, the people aren't nice, the whole thing, but like, they got way worse than everyone else and we'll still see is uk or argentina version filmed in that fucking warehouse do they also have the shittiest food imaginable not get any of the nice dinners at the end that some of these others are getting or anything like that i don't know we will see but they got the shit into the stick for sure on the accommodations not that anyone was staying at the ritz carlton by any means but that kind of bothered me and just i don't know again if they're in their own silo. Then they could film different places. They could put together, you know, their own full teams to work on it, cast, direct for that country's audience. I just think that overall, this season didn't work for the Australian audience, didn't work to get me or I think anyone watching excited to then immediately go on to the global tournament because I think this is maybe the last moment where we see the end result of the sportification of the challenge and where that leads the bulk of the fan base i've long talked about there's the show and the sport the two pillars of the challenge and i think we've reached the final conclusion of the show side of things brings a majority of the fans the fan base is definitely for long we it's no, never been anywhere near 50 50 but maybe we thought it was closer than that, maybe clearly the people behind the show over the last five years have definitely seemed to think that the sports side of the fandom was bigger than the show side, and they couldn't have been more wrong, because the show side of the fandom, the drama, all of that, the reality television, not the sport, is where 70, 80% of the fans globally live, and in Australia, it seemed like maybe about 95 to 99% of the fans lived in that spot. But was it good? Fuck, yes. This season was legitimately good. All right, I know I spoiled that a little bit already to, you know, we had to work through that as part of did it work? And even if it didn't work for that fan base, it was really good. This season was legit good, especially given all of the things we just talked about that were working against it. Um, you know, I'm not going to give this season its full grade at the end of this podcast the way I do with like a full season, you know, rewatch recap, but if I did, I mean, off the top of my head, this is probably like like a B, a solid B season. you know, it's nowhere near like all- time status. Like, don't get me wrong. it's 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 not that, but like it it's it far from sucks and it's far from average. Like it's definitely above average good almost the entire way through, again, as I've said a couple different times throughout the season, you know, episodes three, four, there's a little lull, but like one, two, and then five onward, five, six, seven, eight especially absolutely killer, amazing, wonderful, and when you compare compare it to, you know, the recent flagship seasons we've got, even really the All-Stars 2 and 3, you know, All-Stars 1 goes hard, All-Stars 2 and 3 have really good moments to them, but, like, this season's, like, ju- was just as entertaining as watching any any of the recent seasons, really, we've watched on television at all. Um, It would definitely be, like, a B. The female cast, absolutely great. The male cast, Real successes in there, also a couple duds a little bit, but still pretty solid and some real, real heavy hitters in there, and then the female cast size just kind of top to bottom, awesome, stacked, great. The games itself, the competition itself, pretty solid. There was, you know, the one epic daily challenge, the one epic elimination, no spoilers. Those are going to be awarded here momentarily, but they at least had, you know, one real high level one and the rest of them across the board, pretty solid. And again, if we hadn't seen them before or weren't seeing other versions of them immediately on the other versions of the show, those maybe even would grade out higher. There was actual drama, contention in the house, some interesting friendships, relationships that happened, a dominant alliance that we didn't see coming all around. Like it would score pretty well across the grading rubric. Like, this is at least a B season. It's very solid, it's very good. And it's got a lot of things I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna remember the Batchy Alliance completely wrecking the alliance that I thought was going to wreck the Batchy Alliance. I the underdog story in the fact that the Batchy Alliance turned it from a brief underdog story to a dominant alliance story to just we've wrecked the other side of the house in one of the most dominating fashions we've ever seen an alliance do. That's pretty amazing. I'll remember that for sure. I'll remember Troy's performance and domination in the sport competition side of things for a long time. That elimination between him and Conor, Conrad, Connor—I I always fuck up Conrad and Connor. I've almost not done it the whole season long, and I feel like I'm gonna do it like 13 times tonight in the episode that I need to not do it the least. Anyways, I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna remember Connor for sure and Kiki. And all of their antics. I'm going to remember David early on. I'm going to remember Emily the Olympian. We brought in an Olympian and a professional athlete that actually had, like, real personality and was fun and interesting. Um, I'm going to remember loving Ryan. And then two episodes later, r- loving villain, full-blown villain piece of shit Ryan. But still being, like, all in on him as a challenge character. All of it. I'm gonna I'm going to remember a lot of stuff. So, this season was good. Absolutely. And now to talk about not just the good of it, but the great of it, we're going to go through all of the awards. So buckle up. There's a lot, as there always is, but undeniably, without a doubt, can't tell me any other way. Was this season good? Fuck yes. This season was legit good. We kick the awards off with the best quote of the season and as all season long, I was not recording these episodes. We don't have the audio, but you're just one final time, at least on the Australia front, maybe a few more times on the ride or dies front. We'll see. You're going to have to deal with me just reading the quotes and describing them to you. So we've got five nominees here. I will mention overall, quote wise. It was a little light of a season, but I actually think that's a positive because that means that the show isn't relying on the quips and the quick witty phrases and the talking shit and confessional because it actually has some talking shit in real life that we could see and watch go down. So it's not always a bad thing that a show doesn't have as many awesome quotes throughout it. We still need a few and we got a few. Here's the five nominees that ended up. In chronological order, by episode first, Kiki in episode one, quote, people think that I'm a makeup-obsessed, fashion-obsessed bimbo, which I am, all of those things, but I'm also someone who is incredibly determined, I'm strong, and I'm not afraid of anything, and I really want to prove all of those people that doubt me that I'm capable of winning, end quote. One, that was great. I loved it. I wrote it down. It was like one of the first notes I took. It was one of the first quotes. Usually, they... They do a really good job in the editing booth with picking like a banger of a quote to confessional to start seasons off with, because I think this honestly was one of the very first confessionals we saw. And then it's very prophetic. It proves to be true. She goes on to win. So that's very good. Nominee number two, David, in episode number two on Connor and Jessica's relationship quote. Connor's head is so far up Jessica's ass, he's basically a hemorrhoid, end quote. And again, remember, all of these people are saying it in much more fun Australian accents than me speaking. So it sounds even better coming out of a David's mouth who has the flair for the drama, who has the great accent, all of that. So that one's really good. Third nominee, Emily in episode 05 on being at the bar or just interacting with the Batchy crew in general. Quote, I'd rather stay in my bed. I'd rather sleep. I'd rather cut grass, paint a wall, do a poo. End quote. And frankly, maybe they say do a poo in Australia, but we don't here in the States, and we should because do a poo is flawless, amazing, wonderful. Emily, I love you so much. Fourth nominee, Brittany, in episode seven on puzzles being in the daily challenge. Quote. I haven't done a puzzle since I was 10 years old. The biggest puzzle I've had to work out is how to get and keep a boyfriend, end quote, which, appreciate the honesty, Brittany, loved that one. And Brittany, again, comes in with number five, or nominee number five, from episode 09 on Conrad versus Troy in pole wrestle, quote, it looks like Conrad is that character Bowser from Mario Kart, you know, the big angry turtle. At this point, I'm not worried about Troy winning. I'm worried about Troy coming out of this alive. end quote. And when you drop a Mario Kart reference, and it's a good one and an apt one, and it's during maybe, possibly, I don't know, we'll get there in a few awards, but maybe the best elimination of the season, you win quote of the year. So congrats to Britney. Plus she had two of the five nominees. So, you know, those stack on top of each other a little bit. They're not supposed to, but they do. So Britney for her Bowser analogy wins the quote of the season. But does she take home the coveted Dan Renzi, confessional king or queen of the season award, of course, named for real-world Miami's own Dan Renzi, the original confessional king of the challenge world, way back in the earliest seasons of the show, the best seasons of the show, some would say. If you're fans of those seasons and have never listened to my rewatch series, shameless plug, you can go back and listen to those over this holiday season. Dan Renzi, confessional king or queen award for the confessional king or queen of the season. Now, David and Cyrell had a shot. They just weren't there very long, but they definitely did some work in that confessional booth for the couple episodes that they were each there. Then we've got a top five. Brittany does make the list. I mean, she had two of the five nominees for quotes of the year. She was delivering for sure, but It was a little feast or famine with her. Those two nominees were really, really good. It wasn't a ton else outside of that. Number four was Kiki. Kiki delivered in a big way. Absolutely for sure. We're going to be talking a lot about Kiki the rest of this podcast episode. You bet your bottom dollar. As we will be about Connor, who comes in third here. And maybe a little bit about Ryan, who comes in second, because Kiki, Connor, and Ryan were all holding the down the confessional booth. They were all letting their true feelings be known. They were also being great narrators, and they were the pivotal people in the midst of the storyline. So we wanted to hear from them. So all of that brings them into the ballot. But the winner has to be, and this is probably the most shocking, if you would have asked me before the season who would win these all these awards, you know, obviously for, like, a best moment, I would have no idea. I don't know what's going to happen. But... Uh, it, you know, I'd at least be able to guess at like, who do you think of these people is going to win the Dan Renzi award or be, you know, great in confessionals, give good quotes. And I would have been like, oh, well, the Olympian's going to be no, no chance. Emily, the Olympian, the swimmer, no chance. Like never. This doesn't, this hasn't really worked out so well with the Olympians or the professional athletes in the world of the challenge. The personality always doesn't follow, but follow it did with Emily. She was a delight. She was funny. She was a bit savage at times. She was raw and emotional and honest in the confessional booth. All of it rolled up into one great confessional queen. Emily is on top of being an Olympian. And thankfully, we can say at this point, it's no longer spoilers. Uh, It's just, you know, I think casting News is fair game at this point. If you don't know, you now know Emily did make it as the second woman from the Challenge Australia, the non-winner female of Challenge Australia to go to the global tournament. So very excited about that. Give her a quick and immediate redemption. Because as you'll find out at the end of this podcast, she is definitely one of the ones in the yes, I want her back column of things. Emily, congrats. You are the Dan Renzi confessional queen of the season. moving to best moment then now while unless they really rise to like there's no argument against it we try to move as many of you know the daily challenge or the elimination moments into their own categories that are coming up immediately after this one sometimes those rise to such a level that they even have to be considered for the moment of the season but there is one The obvious, probably obvious to anyone listening one that we're going to talk about shortly in best elimination that probably should be here in best moment award in general. But I kept it out and uh, because I wanted, you know, the challenge Australia fans desperately wanted a more drama filled show. So I didn't I wanted to honor that by not bringing any of the sports stuff into the best moment category, which is supposed to be the crowning achievement of the show side of things. So that's what we're going to make it five nominees here. First one from episode one. The entire bed mishap between Audrey and Cyrell, plus leading into Cyrell yelling at Grant in the bar for no real reason, but everyone literally standing in a full circle around them watching enthralled as if literally as if they had popcorn in their hand or were just watching some incredible TV or movie play out in front of them. Everything Cyrell did in episode one rolled up into one. Her and Audrey, the whole, like, I used my shoes to claim this bed. Well, like, shoes don't count. Everyone else did Jersey. Both women kind of being right in the situation, leading to just a great argument. And then, again, Cyrell, we we never got a great explanation for why she was so mad at Grant um, in that moment or why she chose him. But it just seemed like she wanted to yell at someone, and everyone else in the house wanted to watch someone yell at someone and was happy it wasn't them. So that's what we got. That's nominee number one. Nominee number two. Episode number two, David... Starting all of the little rumors and then specifically while the rumor mongering was, you know, like a long segment of the show and all together is the nominee here for the moment. If we had to pick the specific literal moment of the segment and moment, it's, you know, he drops his little rumors on a couple people and then pulls out out of nowhere, just flings open the big old dramatic fan, waves it a couple times, just adds as much drama and spice to this reveal of his fake rumors that he can and then does the little walk away in his eight inch heels incredible stuff david was a tour de force it you know as i said when covering those episodes it got to be a little too much for me and so it was almost the exact right amount by the time he got eliminated fairly early i was like i love david now i feel like if i would have got 10 episodes of him i maybe wouldn't have always loved him but he was great that moment was great deserved to be nominated number three episode five We fast forward a little bit. You'll notice episode one and two, both incredible moments, deserving a moment of the year nominations. Episode three and four, not to be found. Again, there is that little lull in the season, but then things pick back up in a big way. Third nominee for the moment of the season, the barbecue fight. Brittany and Emily, plus some others who were involved before After all the different conversations that came of it, but really, if you narrow it down, just the conversation between Brittany and Emily and the fact that we basically had the two factions of the house. They came together for the grilling. The guy side of the factions came together to like share in the grilling duties, but then they split up while they're eating. Everyone's dressed up real, real nice. Brittany's suit in this situation is amazing, looking good. Everyone's looking great. And then we get the little conversation, Emily, and I believe it was Conrad maybe on the side. Brittany overhears, has to chime in. Emily chimes back. Whole thing goes to shit. It's wonderful. It's the type of stuff that good, casual, as we talked about when it happened just that good casual below the line type of drama and arguing and yelling and disdain for each other that makes the challenge great makes a lot of reality television great that we don't have to feel guilty about watching or you know taking part in as fans and it was just all top-notch stuff really really loved the barbecue fight fourth nominee then coming off the barbecue fight into episode six the little kind of finality of that fight bleeds over into conrad versus ryan almost actual physical fight in episode six as they go out to celebrate on a boat for britney's birthday whether the fight is what caused them not to or it was the plan all along they almost get in a fight in the driveway it's fantastic it's great i love everyone's attitude about it the just classic fight of like you're proud that you get into fights. Well, you would never fight me and you're not, and you're proud that you would never get in a fight. Well, you're proud you would get in a fight. And like, that's lame too. And just no one's winning this. No one looks good in this, but also everyone is entertained by it. And whether it's Ryan's fault that they don't go on the boat for Brittany's birthday, we'll never totally know, but uh, I don't think it was, but the fact they were able to paint it out as if it was, it makes this you know rivalry between the two factions even better. Fifth and final one then. And, the winner of the best moment of the season. The one, the first moment I will think of, if you tell me Challenge Australia, you just say Challenge Australia in your head. The first thing I will think of is Kiki cutting off her G-string in the final. Kiki on that stationary bike being like, yo, like I didn't know we were starting a final. I was in the power position last night. I was the only one not dressed up to compete last night in elimination. I was wearing my regular outfits which for me means i'm wearing a g-string now i'm still wearing it now i'm sitting on the stationary bike and i'm gonna be for hours on end this gots to go give me some scissors and the fact that they also were like yeah of course like we're thank you for doing that by the way like spot on good producing there being like yeah we'll give you scissors here you go she cuts it off and i guess maybe maybe we don't see maybe they give her some like replacement underwear at some point but like seems like she goes the full day commando and goes on to win the championship win that 100k so hats off to kiki that is the moment of the season now for the sports side of things let's talk best daily challenge three get nominated here in order episode six getting tired this is the ghost town you know puzzles four points pick up the tires take them back starts with the swim and this one was one it was I think it, I don't remember it for sure. I should have pulled up. I think this might have won this, the same version of this might have won Challenge USA's best daily challenge, possibly. And this version was even better. It was so much fun. It was so interesting. The whole season flipped on this one with, you know, Grant, Sh- Ryan, Ryan and Sugar, Grant and Emily, you know, com- coming in last and third to last, second to last, whatever it was you know, totally botching that original puzzle and the whole season flips in this moment. As long as those two don't get last, their side of the alliances can still make a comeback, can still switch the power back into their favor. As we talked about when we covered episodes five and six, as long as they don't come and last there, neither of them goes into elimination because if someone else comes in last, that's in the Batchy Alliance, which is everyone else other than those two teams at that point, then whoever wins is probably not or whoever got last is going to be like yo don't give me one of those two stack teams i don't want to go home give me our weakest team within our alliance it's fine are we still have the numbers and neither of them would have went in there so the whole season flips it's close competitive interesting ending it is i thought fun to watch like i actually enjoy watching that one cuz there's a bunch of different stuff going on it's like oh let's watch for 15 seconds uh you know Kiki and Connor, or whatever, do this puzzle. Let's watch Kieran throw and, you know, knock this thing over. Let's watch Troy do this thing, whatever. Um, so it's very nice, fast paced. It's engaging. It's fun. Loved everything about it. Second nominee, Runaway Ride, episode 07, number seven. That is, that's just how I read them on accident when I look at my notes. That's how I write them. Anyways, this is the balls in the bus with the memory puzzle on the outside of the bus. And this one was fantastic. It was great. The driver, shout out to the driver one more time for being able to do that course over and over and over and over and over again without actually running into any of those other stunt drivers. Um, Loved everything about it. Great design. For once, they used the big props and the cars and the explosions and all that to good effect for an actual engaging and interesting and fun uh daily challenge both to watch and I imagine to do, except for, you know, when you're getting whipped against the side of a bus, which probably hurt pretty bad, but they all seem to have a good time with it. And then third and final one, Frozen Senseless, episode eight, feeling the puzzle inside of the little box and then going through the obstacle course to relay that to your partner, but having to do so sitting in an ice bath, liked everything about the design of that one. As I said, then when we covered, it felt very survivor E minus, I don't know that they would throw an ice bath in the middle of the survivor one, but, uh, I liked it for that reason. And so that is the third and final nominee, but of those three getting tired, episode six, the ghost town, uh, that should become a challenge staple. Do a night challenge where you got to go to a fake abandoned town and do a bunch of different puzzles for points in a two-hour allotment. I just love everything about it. I think it works. It's two for two now. I don't know if we're going to see it on Rider Dies, but I honestly hope as much as I would like to see new things, not all the same things on each of these seasons, I hope we get to see the Ghost Town Puzzles for points or Daily Challenge on Rider Dies at some point. So that wins the best Daily Challenge of the season, possibly making it two for two in winning this award. I'll have to go back and check Challenge USA. Second one then of the Sport Awards, then Best Elimination in... I mean, you know, you know where this is going. Let's talk about the two honorable mentions because there's at least deserve to be mentioned as honorable mentions. Sugar versus Emily in balls in, specifically Sugar versus Emily, not Ryan versus Grant. This is there was a one side of that equation that was good and one side that wasn't so good, uh, guys. Not great. Sugar versus Emily though, great. Unbelievable balls in performance. We haven't seen a good competitive balls in in a while, as we talked about when we covered episode six. So watching those two professional athletes and Olympians go at it in that very, very close battle. Would have loved to see them get to do the tie-breaking round for it all. Um, And, yeah, bummer that Sugar wins this epic battle between the two of them and still goes home. But it was her second elimination loss in a row, and she got to stay the first time. So it is what it is. Second honorable mention then, Connor and Kiki beating Emily and Marley and You Move, I Move. One, I really like this game. I think it's a really fun and interesting game. I liked it when Tori and Devin beat Kayla and Sam in the first episode of Rider Dies. I liked it when Connor and Kiki won, and it was a big upset to some degree. It was a decent size upset, and it's the two kind of stars of the season Officially cementing both that the rest of the other Alliance was fully gone and eliminated. I mean, Grant was still there, but was Grant really still there? He didn't want to be there. So he cousin wasn't there basically solidifying the batchy Alliance and one solidifying Connor and Kiki as the stars of the season and the ones that were actually doing all of the work for their Alliance. And it was a really good and nice elimination. But with all that said, obviously the best elimination of the season is Troy first Conrad and respectfully, Same as Sugar vs. Emily was Sugar vs. Emily, even though they did have partners in that situation. Troy and Conrad had partners, and those partners did a fine, great, solid battle of Pato Ball, but they didn't do what Troy and Conrad did. No one, maybe in the history of the show, has done what Troy and Conrad did in Episodes 9, Pato Ball. Now, we're recording this after just having watched Rider Dies, where they brought Pato Ball in, and Amber B., I guess spoiler if you haven't watched this week's, you know, a couple nights ago's ride or dies, but uh I already started saying it, so sorry, too bad. Fast forward 15 seconds when Amber B beats Nerese in a hard fought, awesome battle as well. Um, you know, pato ball two for two, but boy, Troy versus Conrad, let's just be real here. Like, I'm it's gonna take a while. I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna go on, you know, out there and say this was the best pole wrestle we've ever seen. That would be too quick of judgment to say that i haven't thought through it all as i said when i did that episode podcast though the most brutal pole wrestle we've ever seen like it's got to be right like troy, conrad beats the shit out of troy he body slams him at least 6 times that we see on camera and there's probably more cuz it seemed like that went a while and i am although i guess they probably show us anytime he slams it, but still Two of them from shoulder height, and Conrad is well over six feet tall. So two of them from six feet in the air just straight slammed on the back, and then three or four slams of Conrad on top of Troy, on top of the ball, straight into the ground, just how his ribs stayed intact, how his lungs stayed intact, how his anything part of Troy stayed intact, and not only intact, but then had enough strength and grip and toughness and grit to just hold out to be as confident to say keep them coming and to take that win. I mean, it's 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 an all-time elimination. It's way up there uh both in, you know, pole wrestle but in just general elimination as well. Obviously, I'm I'm biased towards, you know, you know my biases towards the headbangers at this point. The best headbangers are still the best eliminations, but Only a small sliver of the headbangers are actually good eliminations, if that makes sense. Most of them end up kind of sucking. And you also, though, do know where I stand that the best elimination of all is not so fast above all the other ones. But regardless, Troy versus Conrad, like, it can't can't be close. So that's the best elimination. That was the most obvious award we were going to give out. The final award before we get to the big, big, big one is the best episode, which... I'm going to go ahead, do something I've never done. I'm giving it to a joint episode. We cover this season in pairs, and these two particular episodes go together so much. Episodes five and six, it's cheating a little bit, but they win joint winner for the best episode of the season. I would watch episodes five and six of the season over and over. so many. I'm probably going to so many times because these two episodes were when... Ryan and Sugar get to lose twice in a row. That happens to these two. They just don't go home inexplicably at the end of episode five. We get back to back great eliminations with the same loser both times. We get the barbecue fight, the Conrad versus versus uh, Ryan fight. We get the you know the best uh, daily challenge with the ghost town puzzle. We get so many good things in these two episodes, and it's you know the whole season. Uh, you know it's the middle of the season, so things flip sure, but. It, the whole thing turns, and it's like, oh, the Bachelor Alliance has, you know, they got a little momentum here, and then boom, they've just won the season here, or someone from their group is going to win the season, and now the people that we thought were the front runners are all gone, and just everything about it is so, so good. So episodes five and six jointly win the best episode award, and now we get to the one that matters, the season MVP. MVP in this season had a fierce battle for the win. Now, as we tend to do with these let's talk first the gone too soon category because these two deserve it david and cyrell both eliminated early in the game you know david in episode three cyrell in episode four if they would have made it to the end you know at the episode three and four mark they were probably in the lead if if they weren't in the lead they were in second or third but they were they were in the lead i guess one of them had to be second to the other one at some point there but both deserve shout outs david The -the over-the-top dramatics, the, you know, constant losing but making the best of a losing situation, doing everything he could, just, you know, wearing the eight-inch heels into the interrogation room and just completely towering over everyone. I'll always think that is just flawless choice, great execution, love that moment. Cyrell, everything Cyrell does the entire time she's there, love every bit about it. David putting the cucumbers uh, in Cyrell and Emily's beds as like a joke. I think it was the cucumbers in their beds, whatever it was, Uh, everything about it. So those two were gone a little too soon. And then honorable mention, Brittany and Troy, you know, Brittany, great job all the way through the season. Slow burn for Brittany starts a little slow, picks up steam midway through. She's kind of one of the de facto captains just by, you know, via the fact that she's the one getting in the arguments with the other alliance and everything. She's very good start to finish. And Troy Obviously, I love Troy, love, love, love Troy. He's amazing. He obviously goes on to win the season, all of that. But he doesn't, you know. He he's amazing on the on the sports side. He purposefully doesn't really offer. He's just a very seems like a real nice guy. Like him and I would just I would watch him and Marley as as like a, their own reality show and it would be like ted lasso-esque season one ted lasso-esque entertainment just like oh it just makes you feel good and warm and fuzzy and nice inside but like he ain't you know bringing a ton to the other side of the show and maybe we'll see more of that later on i don't know but i love troy dearly he just didn't quite crack the top five because the top five was real solid with a lot a lot of folks that we really like so here is that top five starting in fifth just nudging out Troy because I feel like I should have put Troy in the top five. He did win and he was awesome and he was one of my favorites from the first episode. He was one of four people that got a star by his name in the very first episode of the show for me. So I loved him from the start, but he got nudged out by Kieran. Kieran comes in hot, you know, cheating on his girl. First episode. Uh making, you know, making amends to as much as degree as you can while trapped in a house and only able to communicate via Zoom. Making amends for that later on. We got the you know the follow through on that storyline later on down the road. Doesn't end up getting the win in the end, which would have felt really great just to know like, hey, at least he's got taken that bag home. That's something, right? But you know, his storyline with that going on was very interesting. He, you know, just had he's he's very engaging. He's, you know, got that that personnel that you could see bubbling there i could see why he's been a star on his previous seasons and maybe now he's trying to like you know curtail his, his his worst inhibitions which got the best of him the one time here um but he's clearly a reality tv star and uh he does really really well and you know he gets some important victories near the end of the season the whole thing loved everything from kieran i hope he's been able to you know, work through the, uh, the relationship issues that he deservedly had after the unfortunate cheating that he does. Um, but I would be excited to see Kieran again, which spoiler, cause we're about to talk about every one of them in that light in a moment. But then number four, Ryan, Ryan was my initial favorite episode one. I was like, I'm all in on Ryan by episode three or four. I was like, I'm all in on Ryan, but I don't support Ryan necessarily. He's a dick. Uh, he, seems like he either just the situation has led for him to suck or maybe he sucks, but either way, I fucking love him and I'm entertained by him and I want him on every season of the challenge until I'm over it. And I don't know that I'll be over it that soon. I, he was so great. I enjoyed it so much. And, uh, I thought he was, you know, he shows that he is a solid competitor. Those first couple episodes can't be taken away. He was a solid competitor up until the moment when he turned into not a solid competitor and maybe just wasn't you know, that one puzzle got him and head uh, headbanger elimination kind of got him, but would really like to see what he's got on a future season. And now I'm going to stop saying that for the last three people in this top five, because I'm not going to get ahead of the final segment of this podcast. So Ryan comes in fourth, Emily, his partner in crime, I guess in the real world now, maybe possibly dating, who knows? I don't know. I think I've seen that. Uh, she comes in third again, Olympian front runner at the start eventually goes out, but, great personality. Dan Renzi award winner, everything from Emily was fantastic, but Ryan and Emily, as much as they tried, they lost to a better duo both in the season and in this award because the top two, which was really, really, really hard to pick from. I really, really wish that I could give two people an MVP, but I just can't. I can't. I had to pick. And in picking. I might go back on this later cause I love her so much, but in second place is Kiki and man, Kiki's an icon and guys like Kiki's an icon. She's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, you can hear how torn I am in my voice because she she's an MVP. Kiki is an MVP. This season had two MVP performances. That just is what it is, and that's we should be thankful for that. When that happens, we should be so, so thankful. But when that happens, that means that I only get to award one of the two people who deserve MVP MVP, and so I'm a little torn over it and a little sad that I'm not naming Kiki the MVP right now. So maybe I go back on this. Maybe I award a dual MVP sometime in the future. I don't think I'm allowed to do that, but also I make the rules, so maybe I could. But between – The finals performance and the fact that she wins the whole thing to the comments throughout to the clutch wins and elimination and daily challenge throughout everything season long. Kiki was one of the stars and she was coming in with the hardest act to follow. She was a Kiki in the world of the challenge after Kiki McRae, not even on the show, became the star of Challenge USA. That's hard to follow And she went above and beyond and became a certified MVP candidate, a deserving MVP winner. But she doesn't quite get the award because the MVP of the Challenge Australia, it had to be Connor. It's Connor. It's absolutely Connor. And now that I'm saying it out loud a minute after. I was so upset that I was gonna to have to say it out loud. It's just it's it's the correct answer. Connor is the MVP of the season. There are two MVP performances that happen sometimes, but one of them rises above the other, and they're both amazing. But Connor was the MVP of the season from all of the clutch daily wins, the clutch couple elimination wins, the fact that that he saw two alliances in the house that he was on the outs from in the beginning that's why he was in the elimination early on that's why he was being threatened to go into elimination early on he originally avoided an elimination by being as david would say so far up jessica's ass that he might as well be a hemorrhoid jessica was on the bedroom alliance side of things but then quickly connor ingratiated himself in the batchy alliance and then went from ingratiated member to full-blown leader of the alliance doing group chef's kisses with Kieran and Conrad by the end of the season as he ran shit from start to finish. He wasn't running it the first couple episodes. He was, things were kind of getting run at him, but he was dodging very, very well. And then he got his hands on that steering wheel, took over and never relented. He ran the season and yeah, he didn't pull off the win in the end, but that's because Troy's a freaking. A, an actual ninja, I guess. Ninjas make for really good challenge competitors. I don't. Troy's just an amazing athlete and crazy competitor, and so no shame there. Connor did amazing. Connor ran this show. Connor was the face of this season. When I think back on it, I am going to think of Ke- Connor and Kiki combined. I am going to think of the two of them, and then just below them, I'm going to remember my dear, dear love for Troy. And just below them, I'm going to be like Emily and Ryan were pretty awesome for the show too. But If I only had to think of one, if there only was one, which there only can be one, it's got to be Connor. Final thing to discuss then is a quick game of do I want to see them again. We've covered the fact that the season is very good. We've handed out all the awards. We've even spoiled some of these answers to I do. I want to see them again. But as much as we started this podcast talking about how the season totally flopped in Australia, but was good and a saving grace of sorts for us here in the United States. We know we're going to see four of these people for sure immediately right away again in the global tournament, which, again, I guess if you're not into casting spoilers, fast forward 30 seconds here, and I'll try not to mention it specifically again when I say their names. But actually, I probably will. I don't know You're if, if you're against knowing who's casted on the challenge uh, global tournament. Thanks for listening. You can probably just you know skip to the end of the podcast. I don't know. What, I, what can I say at this point? But obviously the two winners, Troy and Kiki, are going to be there. And then they chose Emily, which was the exact perfect choice for the second female non-winner. And then they chose Grant, or at least Grant is the one that ended up going. Not the best choice. Not, not the right choice. I would have put a bunch of people before him on the male side. Maybe those people said no. Maybe he was the only one that said yes. I don't know. But we are going to see those four right away again. But whether it is... Challenge Australia 2. I don't know if that's going to happen. I doubt that's going to happen. But if it does, maybe it's there. Maybe it's in flagship. Maybe it's in some other version of the challenge somewhere out in the ether. Or maybe I start watching some Australian reality television. I don't know. Do I want to see them again or do I not? Quick game starting going through the whole list, the entire cast from in order. I guess I should say not from, but in order from when they got eliminated from this show. So do I want to see them again? Susan. Remember Susan? Remember Billy? They were both eliminated episode one. I barely remember them. No, thank you to the two of them. Seemed lovely. No, thank you. Episode two's eliminated people. Audrey. Yes, please. Audrey is the first one I would say. Yes, absolutely. Put Audrey on a challenge season, any of the season. She's young. She's attractive. She's possibly messy. She seemed ready to stir it up drama and game wise. You know, she had the little bedroom, uh, not bedroom, uh, who's bed, who gets to sleep where with Cyrell. That was really great. So yes, please to Audrey. The other person that gets sent home in episode two is Jack. No, thank you. I talked about when he got sent home. It just, it wasn't, there wasn't, I wasn't getting any sort of engagement out of him. Then episode three's eliminated people. We had Jessica and David and guess what? Yes, please to both Jessica. I think she could be good really good on another Australia season. I think she could be, she, she's she got a shot if she jumped to the U S flagship, we'll see, but I definitely think if they did Australia season two, Jessica has to, has to, has to be there. And then David, absolutely. It's too much for me personally, but I know it's fantastic for the show and I love it until I've had enough of it. And now that I only had the three or four episodes here, I'm ready for some more David. So put him on another future season. Then we got our episode four eliminated, folks. Johnny, no thank you. No more needs to be said. Cyrell, on the other hand, maybe. She's one of the only maybes I had. I was really torn on this one with Cyrell. She was amazing. I loved Cyrell. Amazing. So great. Uh, MVP frontrunner, three four episodes in when she got eliminated. I just worried that this was the exact right amount of Cyrell for me personally, And that she eventually may have fallen into that David category for me where I'm like, I know this is really good for the show. And I understand why you've got a ton of fans. I respect you. I love you. I just only want three episodes of you, not 10. And so maybe I got the exact right amount of Sorrel. So I don't know. I'm torn. I'm a maybe. I'll lean towards yes because I shouldn't cop out and say maybe for anyone. I'll say yes, but we would see. Maybe only one more time. Then episode six is eliminated couple because they weren't eliminated episode five. They got to come back and get eliminated a second time for no unexplained reason, which we're not going to talk about again on this podcast, but still makes no sense and still ruins my entire faith in the game. Oh, well, anyway, sugar and Ryan sugar. <sighs> This is my other maybe. This is my other maybe. I had three maybe. Oh fuck. I had four maybe's on this list. Man, I was really indecisive when I wrote this list. So sugar, I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be man. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, and I'm gonna actually say yes or no for everyone in sugar. I'm gonna go with no. She's a competitor for sure. She seemed to have some personality. That personality is maybe blocked from coming through by the group she was aligned with, sucking up all the oxygen in the room. Um so I take it back. I'd lean yes. I think Sugar's I think sugar got all the tools that are necessary to be awesome on the challenge. And she, we just didn't get to see it because she was kind of on the bottom of this alliance that was, you know, taking up all the storyline and all the airtime. So I'm going to go yes. I'm going to go yes. Full on yes for Sugar. Scrap what I said before. Then there's Ryan. Absolutely yes. We need good villains. And Ryan played one happily, it seemed. Happily he was more than she was cheery about being the villain of the season and i loved it did he end up maybe not being that great of a competitor that's possible you could say that but he made good tv one way or the other and he did he looked amazing those first couple daily challenges it was like man ryan's gonna run away with this shit right like ryan's ryan's on top of the world right now and then he wasn't and no matter where he was standing in the game it was very entertaining put Ryan on more seasons Ryan should have been the one going with Emily his new partner to the global tournament that would have been the best the best he would have hated everyone probably and they probably would have hated him and it would have been great would have loved it then there's Emily from episode 7 absolute yes please we can see her on the global tournament she's an absolute star yes yes, yes 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 as many times as she wants to do the show then there's Marley also eliminated episode 7 yes please for Marley too I think he has star potential didn't get a lot of opportunity didn't get a lot of space to operate in this season i like marley maybe he's you know him and troy is are in that camp of like a little too nice a little too family friendly whatever i don't know but i think marley's got that killer in him and i liked the bits we got from marley so yes please to him then the eighth episode megan and grant no thank you to both uh just you know didn't i don't need more megan megan uh whichever way they were pronouncing her name whichever way i'm supposed to and i don't really need more grant um Him taking that second spot, male spot on the Global Challenge, it's a missed opportunity. It should have been Ryan. It should have been Kieran. Even Conrad or even Marley, honestly, um, or just fucking throw a crazy curveball and throw David on there just, just for the shits and giggles. Like, I don't know. But, like, I liked Grant. Uh, but I was rooting for Grant to like have that moment at the end, redeem his alliance, but it didn't happen. And so I was, it was a no, thank you for them. Brooke B eliminate episode nine. No, thank you. Conrad eliminated episode nine. Also, maybe he was giving me the most of what I was he, like. He gave me most of what I was looking for out of him. I, I kind of pegged him in the first couple episodes as like, that guy's going to give us something. I know it. There's no way that guy's not going to give us something. And he eventually gave us a little bit of something. He was a solid competitor. He was a solid member of the house. If there was Challenge Australia number two, my answer would be definitively yes. US version or global tournament, my answer would probably be no. Although again, like I just I feel like he's a star that we just didn't see at all. I don't know why it was so just immediately I was like, damn, this guy's got it. And I mean he does give it to us in that elimination. Holy shit, did he give it to us? I mean, he went up against Troy, who I think maybe three years from now we might be looking back as like Troy's one of the fucking best athletes people to ever do this game and conrad beat the shit out of him in a loss but like beat the shit out of him so i'll lean towards yes with conrad too then britney she got third place in the show i don't think i need more but she did bring the heat a couple of times so i would go australia version number two yes anywhere else no Connor, third place. Yes, please. He's the MVP. Enough said. Brooke J, second place. Yes, please. Teresa 2.0. Anyone? Does anyone else see that? Am I the only one that sees Teresa 2.0 when I look at Brooke J, when I listen to Brooke J talk? When Brooke J anything. Um, minus Teresa's initial fresh me two season. Uh, you know, we're getting Brooke J a little later in her life here. Maybe I think she's in a relationship, married something. I don't know. But I just get Teresa 2.0 from Brooke J and I want Teresa 2.0 in the world of challenge. So yes, please. Kieran, second place. Yes, please. He's got everything necessary. Except for the fact, kind of what we said before, we maybe got him three years too late. Now that you know he does seem to maybe want to be a committed boyfriend and father, which is a great thing. And I support him and I hope that he can be those things and be a wonderful man and husband and father and human being. I believe he can do those things. I'm rooting for you, Kieran. But for the sake of the show. While I want him on future seasons, maybe if we got him like four years ago, it would be like an absolute all-time all-star. And maybe now he could just be a good contributor. But, yes, please, I still want him. And then, of course, Kiki and Troy, first place on the season. Yes, I want them anywhere, everywhere, as many shows as possible for Kiki. Get her on everything. And Troy, he's a top-tier challenge competitor. Give him three seasons, three seasons on the flagship version, you know, to make friends, to build alliances. You know, know, he's probably going to get smoked on the – On the global tournament just because everyone's gonna be like you know you don't know anyone it's just you and kiki like if kiki's your only ride or die like she's gonna make great tv do i think she's gonna compete quite as well in the global tournament i don't know but i underestimated her once and she fucking won the season so she's probably gonna go ahead and do it again who knows but you give troy three seasons to make friends make bonds make alliances that man dominates that man wins flagship tournaments no freaking problem so that's who we want to see back troy kiki kieran Brooke j connor Maybe Conrad, maybe Marley, definitely Emily and Ryan, probably Sugar, definitely Cyrell and David. Those are the cast. And Audrey, and Audrey, Audrey. The, the the elusive eliminated second episode, definitely want to see her again. So that's almost half the cast. That's really good for a cast of all brand new people to me and for yeah, just it's it's really good. This show is really good. This season was really good. I hope they do a second season. I hope they lean even further into the drama side of things and give the Australian fans what they want because guess what? It's what the global fans want. It's what the fans in the States want. It's what I started this off by saying why us in the United States maybe like this season a lot more than the folks over in Australia did. So give them their own silo, not part of some global tournament, not part of anything else, just challenge Australia here we go, make it drama, make it fun, make it great, film it in Australia, and it's going to be gold. I'll love it. I'll watch all seasons of it, assuming the fine folks on the internet provide me with the links to do so. So, Shout out, by the way, to all those people that provided links all the way throughout the season. It's because of you that we're even doing this podcast or any of these people listening to this podcast were able to watch the show. So shout out to you. You may be the real MVPs of this season, which I'm only kidding because Connor and Kiki were the MVPs of the season. But I digress. That is the end of this podcast. What a wonderful season. I do look forward to watching Troy and Kiki and Emily and I guess even Grant a little bit play on the challenge global tournament i look forward to hopefully seeing as much of these people on my television screens in some fashion or format in the near future it was a wonderful season i loved it all shout out Briny, by the way i didn't i somehow didn't the whole podcast Briny did amazing filling in for tj is no one should have to be put to that test and they did it incredibly and wonderfully it was a little over the top at times but hey like what else are they gonna do you know they. Got to get into it. And I like the passion. I like the enthusiasm. So shout out to Briny. They did an amazing job. And uh, yeah, wonderful season. Thanks for being here with me to break it all down. If you like this season, let me know. Hit me up. Challenge story and on Instagram. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about maybe the reasons why the States liked it more than Australia did. Let's talk about who you want to see. Did I get it right? With the did, Was Kiki the right answer? Was Connor the right answer? I think it was Connor. I think it was Connor, but let me know if I got anything wrong. So that's the Challenge Australia. That's it for this podcast. Again, we'll be back the next couple weeks covering Ride or Dies during this holiday season. Have a safe, wonderful, warm, happy holidays to you, your loved ones, everyone out there. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Talk to you soon. Peace.